0: Hi and thanks for downloading this episode of Queer I Am the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. This podcast started as a small idea and has turned into a real passion project for me and is something that I wish to continue to make way into the future but I need your help in doing so. So there is a cost in making Queer I Am the podcast and it's something that I funded and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. But if you'd like to get involved and support the podcast by subscribing to Acas Plus, that would be incredible. And if this is something you can't do, no worries at all. I really hope you keep enjoying the episodes and I intend to keep making them for as long as possible. Season 3 is coming up and you are in for an absolute treat. I am so, so excited. If you'd like to support the podcast details of how you can do this are in the blurb of the episode you were listening to and what this also means is you get to listen to all of the episodes of Queer I Am the podcast past and future completely ad free so no interruptions whatsoever what could be better. Anyway enough of the serious blurb let's crack on with the show. I am so excited to speak with today's guest and for you to hear about their journey. Formerly the UK's Best Marilyn Monroe Tribute Act, Loxie Nixon has released a book entitled From One to Another, which tells the story of how he became the man he had always dreamed of being. The book is an honest and intimate story of female to male transition, and I'm so proud to have him on the show telling his story today. Please welcome to the podcast, Loxie Nixon. So whatever you're up to, this is your time to settle down, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Queer I Am. So, Loxie, thank you so much for coming thank on to you. Queer Eye on the podcast. It's so lovely to have you here today. How are you feeling?
3: I'm I'm very warm, uh, but yeah, very excited and delighted to be here. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a great little studio. It's a nice vibe.
0: Mm. Do you know, everyone that comes to this studio says how relaxed it is. Yeah. And I had a couple of interviews here yesterday and they are like, "Wow, well, this is really, really nice.
3: It's very like ASMR sort yes. of thing, you know, like. Listening to nice chilled out sounds. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So if you had to describe a mood, excuse me, if you had to describe a song for your mood today, what song would you choose?
3: Oh, my goodness. That's an interesting question. Uh, I listen to such a massive selection of music. I listen Mm -hmm. to opera quite a bit, uh, but I also like really heavy metal as well. I've been listening to Muse a lot. Okay, um, and there's a song on the latest Muse album called "Uprising," okay. which I'm really enjoying. Oh, amazing! So, and they're touring, scene aren't they? I think I've absolutely no idea. I live very much in my own bubble, but I, <laughs> that's the first song that comes to mind is Muse "Uprising." So
0: yeah, amazing! Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they're doing a tour because someone from my hometown uh, put on Facebook about they've got Muse tickets. So yeah. I'm sure that was recently. Yeah, they put a lot on there, so it, it could be.
3: Could I'm very, I very I was a huge fan of Muse when I was like a young sort of grungy type yeah. with baggy jeans and a skateboard that I didn't know how to ride <laughs> so,
4: <laughs>
3: so yeah so it's quite nostalgic it probably doesn't express my mood very well uh but it's a great song anyway yeah well, sometimes
0: <laughs> I think you can listen to a song and it just gives you a good vibe doesn't matter if it's reflecting your mood it's like if it makes you feel good when you're listening to it yeah that's important.
3: I'm very kind of I'm very into quite dramatic music I notice yeah. and I'm quite a a chilled-out person as nature, but you wouldn't know that listening to the music because I listen to really big, intense, yeah, heavy stuff. Um, but I find it quite relaxing. Yeah, absolutely. Know. So where did you grow up and where do you call home now? I... Uh, Grew up in Nottingham. I was raised in a council estate, um, which was great. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, And I moved down to Brighton when I was about 15 with my mother and my older sister. My sister's three years older than me. And we moved down... just because my mum had better work opportunities down here um, and we had an uncle that lived down here okay. and we had cousins already that were southerners. So we kind of had some sort of little base to come to. Yeah. Um, and that was in Salt Dean and I grew up there um, and now I've travelled around such a lot in, uh-huh. in my past career. I didn't really break step uh, when I was an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Um I was on tour six months out of the year. Okay. So I was constantly travelling and and mm. I never really settled anywhere particularly. Mm. Um which was so I didn't really feel like I belonged anywhere quite mm. quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um but I love Brighton so much and mm. I'm in Kemp Town at the moment in a in a little flat. Um, yeah it's, it's all right it'll nice do vibe. for now yeah nice vibe you yeah. know i live with uh i live with a couple of medical students who are completely insane uh <laughs> 10 years younger than me so um but i can still drink them under the table yeah. so that's all right <laughs> keeping you young yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's funny isn't it because i've got friends that are younger here and i've made them since i moved here last year yeah and um yeah it's it kind of sometimes it's like i see the age difference and then sometimes i'm like i feel like i'm their age it's, it's yeah, yeah it depends on the conversation you're having or i think i've, you know. got, I've
3: got a few flatmates and the oldest one's 28 and i'm okay. th- and i'm 34 okay uh so i very much feel like the daddy of the house sometimes <laughs> like if something breaks i'm I, i'm there you're there to fix things yeah very much i've i've, I've kicked a drunk boyfriend out before as okay. well so i'm i'm there yeah uh but, you know, if there's alcohol in the kitchen, then I'm down for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: absolutely. And what is it about Brighton that gets under your skin? I, I ask mm. this question to everyone because mm. I think it's it's such a place where people, they come to, they seem to love it. People... Travel here for a holiday and then move here, or people come here as like students and then never leave. So, what mm. is it for you that really gets under your skin about Brighton?
3: I think I'm probably going to say what everyone says, uh, really, uh, which is the acceptance of mm-hmm. of the general vibe of Brighton.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I I'm very sort of I'm quite a, a whimsical romantic person, mm-hmm. and I I just can't get over the novelty of living by the sea. Honestly, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, I like the seagulls. I, I'm actually a big fan of the seagulls. I think they're like the mafia. Like, they don't care. <laughs> they're like criminals on the seafront. They'll steal an ice cream from a three-year-old. They don't... <laughs> <laughs> you can swear, by the way. It's All fun. right, okay, yeah, good. because yeah. <laughs> that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, they don't give a fuck. Like, they just do whatever. Um, and I I just love the culture of Brighton, I think. Yeah. And I think there's a, a very pleasant uh, historical vibe to mm. Brighton also, which I enjoy. Um, and I'm a fairly unusual looking chap and it's just nice to know that I'm not going to get the crap beaten out of me for mm. no reason. And I forget that because mm-hmm. when I go, certainly now, because my appearance, uh, is quite obviously trans, mm-hmm. um, I forget until mm-hmm. I sort of go somewhere else and I do get a few more looks and I go, oh yeah, like mm-hmm. not everywhere is like Brighton.
0: as accepting. Yeah. Yes.
3: And I've, I, have I'm quite spoiled really. Uh, with living down here but I, I love it it's horribly expensive Yes. Uh, horribly. No one's got any money, but we can all afford a drinking problem. I don't know how that works. Yeah,
0: £7 of pint. Like, oh, how my did that God. Happen? How did that happen?
3: No offence to the Queen's Arms in Brighton, but the piss wine that you sell at £9 a glass is absolutely criminal. Do I still drink it? Yes. Yes, I do. And I regret it every time, as does my credit card.
0: <laughs> I think I think you're right, though, in terms of the vibe here and mm. kind of the level of acceptance. And yeah. I think, you know, it, it is very very um easy to forget that you're in a bubble oh yeah and you know i've gone to london before and like, i had some rainbow laces on my dms and that's I think, all
3: it takes in some places isn't it yeah and yeah. i was
0: like mm, i need to change my laces and it's it's like that level of having to think about that when i go somewhere else whereas here it's like oh your laces are cool and it's just yeah don't need to think about it really yeah so was, we are quite spoiled
3: absolutely and i think there's a it reminds me of a ted talk that i saw i can't remember the uh drag queen who did it but it was a ted talk called i've never held my ha- H- L- lover's hand in public uh-huh um and it was a brilliant talk it's about 20 minutes it's incredibly moving and mm-hmm. it's about how those micro gestures of intimacy mm-hmm. are interfered with by mm-hmm. a very invisible tension mm. that's in an environment that has potential prejudice within it so yeah. it's a very beautiful talk um i'm pretty sure it's called i've never held my lover's hand in public okay um i i can't remember for the life of me the queen but it is a ted talk yeah. um and it will probably come up straight away it's beautiful yeah and but- it perfectly illustrates what we're, we're saying talking about mm. and those
0: things are you know things that we we forget about and actually yeah. I, I remember kind of in the past you know my husband being affectionate in some kind of way in public yeah. and you know you hear I don't think about it but sometimes it's kind of I don't know you almost kind of shoulders go up you feel a bit on guard and I think it's mm. because of how we learn to filter ourselves in some way you know
3: i think with myself and something i'm very grateful for having the uh, experience in construction that i've had mm. is that the entire environment is mm-hmm. uh, is a bubble in itself and uh, construction sites especially are quite a homophobic environment of which i'm largely familiar and i've become very used to behaving obliviously mm-hmm. uh, whilst sort of looking like a threat um I know it sounds awful, but I mean, it's a skill that I've got really good at. Um, and it's kind of put me in good stead, if I'm absolutely honest. Mm-hmm. It is. It's become, you know, body language and and the way you carry yourself is so hugely important. And mm-hmm. it's something that I learned transitioning from female to male is, is changing my physicality quite mm-hmm. dramatically mm-hmm. in order to communicate my presence
4: mm-hmm.
3: effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially as somebody who is. Uh, again, as I've said, noticeably a trans person that was hugely important, and I find that i can i've managed to create some sort of consistency in my uh candor i suppose is the right word to ensure some sort of safety, i suppose, and mm-hmm. I think it takes a lot of confidence to walk through quite a homophobic or transphobic environment and not feel um weighted by yeah yeah of course you know yeah. um and it's something that uh was very difficult for me to learn and I'm still perfecting it obviously um but it it, it has come in handy
0: i think we probably all are in some way absolutely i think yeah. here though i definitely walk taller i think in this oh, in yeah. this city it's mm. it's you know it's cuz the environment is so accepting and because yeah. there is so much of our community here, really you is. just find yourself feeling, yeah, I can be myself, and it it does, it makes a difference. Whereas yeah. sometimes in the past, you know, you you do kind of you put a filter on, you are aware of where you are, you kind of you yeah. slouch a bit, it's yeah. All that kind and
3: of stuff. I I think um, there's, I can't remember who said it or where I learned this, but I I believe it very much to be free, to be true that ninety percent of human communication is silent, mm. and I very much believe that, mm. um, and I think that. Just the feeling that one has in Brighton as uh, an LGBTQ person mm-hmm. is a silent comfortableness, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. is a is a lovely thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm.
0: So your book, um, yeah. congratulations on your book. Thank work. you. I loved it. I really, really did. And I, I read it last week. And so I bought your book probably about three months ago. Yes. But I bought several other books three months ago, and I've been reading lots for these this podcast. So uh, you have. I don't think have. I've read as many books as I've read in the last <laughs> few months. It's crazy, honestly. Yeah. But I read your book last week, and uh, for in preparation for this episode, and I am loved it and I I really felt like it was an intimate honest and um not only in terms of your the account of your transition but also of your experiences leading up to that milestone yeah. um and your life afterwards as well so mm. why was it important for you to share your story um initially
3: um I think I, I started writing quite early on mm. uh, and my motivations for writing changed initially it was so that I could remember because I was very aware that what I was about to experience was going to be very complicated Mm -hmm. and very Mm all-consuming. And it was sort of like an exercise in keeping grounded, Mm -hmm. if I'm honest, Mm -hmm. about writing what had happened and also medically transitioning is quite complicated Mm -hmm. and knowing what dates this happened on and what that felt like because you get asked those questions by medical professionals. So initially I started documenting things so I could have some sense of uh, clarity and grounding on what I was experiencing and uh and that was kind of it but the motivation changed eventually when i started to uh look to the trans community for some kind of support or or the trans content of the internet if you like and i found not a lot of it was relatable to me okay and i found a lot of it was neither good or bad. It's not the point, but I was sort of like the people were a lot younger than me. They had very strong views on stuff that I didn't necessarily agree with. You know, I started my transition when I was 31. Mm -hmm. So, and I'd had quite an extraordinary career before that. I was a Marilyn Monroe impersonator for 13 years. I was a full-time entertainer. um, And I was a very, very highly feminine person. It was my job to be a highly Mm -hmm. feminine person so i was putting down a lot and i was putting down a lot emotionally and mm-hmm. i was doing that as as a grown up mm-hmm. and a lot of the videos and the content that i saw out there was was a 19 year old who was you know really only just finished their first puberty and then starting another one mm-hmm. you know i was a 31 year old woman undergoing a male puberty mm-hmm. that's what was happening mm-hmm. and that was very disconcerting as i'm sure it is for younger people but i think when you transition a little bit later in life you've got a lot more systems of behavior a lot more beliefs to let go of but yeah, you course. know it, it's it's a very different experience so I wasn't finding anything relatable and the other trans people that I met online or otherwise seemed to have a very different perspective on the experience that I was going through and I found that quite isolating mm-hmm. and then uh there's one trans friend I have um who's a wonderful woman. And she was the only person I I knew who was trans, who kind of understood what I was talking about. And she then said, Oh yeah, like I know trans people who don't necessarily think that way. Like it's, it's, it's not the most popular view of this. Um, and obviously lots of opinions vary, but the online trans community specifically seemed to occupy a very specific belief system and a very specific ethos and, ideology almost Mm -hmm. which if you didn't embrace or agree with you didn't really have a place within it so the motivation for writing the book changed then into I just wanted to write down a perspective and an account for reference Mm -hmm. that if you are a trans person going through this and you don't necessarily feel connected to the trans community in a big way it's all right it's not you Some people aren't tribal. I'm very much a lone wolf. I'm a loner kind of person. always Mm -hmm. have been. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never been particularly tribal in my nature. So I think that then that became very important. And the more trans people that I met and spoke to, and also cisgendered people as well, and talked to about a much more emotional mental health approach to what transitioning is the more it solidified that it was a good idea to write it. Yeah, of course.
0: And I guess it's, you're right. There's so many different perspectives Mm. on anything in life. So Mm. to write your account, it's not only kind of, I guess, therapeutic for you, but also there will be other people who feel like you do that will read that book and think, okay, that's great. I I felt like this too. And Mm. that's a great thing to be able to do, isn't it?
3: Uh, Yeah. And also I feel that, you know, transitioning is a, it's an unusual thing. It's a, and it's a complicated thing Mm -hmm. and it, 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 sort of um invokes a very wide uh oh excuse me, I'm tripping over my words. It invokes a lot of different feelings and emotions mm-hmm. and opinions in people. Of course. Um and that's great. And I think one should always be open to curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of cis people who are curious. Mm-hmm. And and curiosity is is human nature. We're supposed to be curious. Mm-hmm. And when we can emotionally understand something and intellectually understand something, it's not unusual anymore. It's not weird anymore. It just becomes a part of life. It mm-hmm. just becomes a mm-hmm. a fact of life for some people. Mm-hmm. And I found that most of the the trans community online and and the very extreme intense versions of activism that exist were almost kind of very negative towards anybody's curiosity. It was, I'm not here to educate you, go and educate yourself. It's sort of like, right, but where though?
0: Where do people go and get their education?
3: Are they going to Google it? Because if they Google it, they're going to be there all day. Like mm-hmm. we all know, you know, I've mm-hmm. got a headache. Don't put it into Google. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. And transition's even worse. If you put transition into Google, it's just... And also, it, I guess there's a lot of miseducation
0: on there as oh, well. Hugely. So if people are Googling stuff and then they're reading something which isn't factual or is, is wrong, then you've got people making opinions on stuff that they don't really... Of course. And know. also,
3: there's, there's, you know, there are certain sectors of, of, of very extreme... Uh, sort of activist groups that are, you know, if God forbid anyone calls them the wrong pronoun by accident, it's the the most disastrous thing that ever happened. And it's invoked a lot of fear Mm. in cisgendered people towards the trans community. Like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Mm. And I was finding that a lot, when i was transitioning people were very nice mm-hmm. and people were very encouraging mm-hmm. but they had no idea how to talk to me and they mm-hmm. were scared to death of talking to me okay said so the wrong thing yeah and they were very like i'm so sorry uh, uh, and it made it was it got exhausting because mm. i didn't feel like i was being spoken to like a human being anymore yeah, of course. and i found myself saying look i'm very aware that i'm a woman turning into a bloke
4: mm-hmm. all
3: right I'm in the room. Mm-hmm. It's the trans elephant. I call it the trans elephant. We all know it's in the room. I'm fine with discussing it because I know. Yeah, um, I've seen me.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> so, I think as as much as anything, a lot of cis people uh, and a lot of builders, subsequently uh, we, from my work in construction, I was very interested to know what these men who had absolutely no connection to LGBTQ culture at all. Mm-hmm. Read it and tell me what you think about it. Mm -hmm. And even they they won't defend this view of them. Quite basic men, Mm -hmm. uh,
4: quite you know (laughs) what I mean. Quite basic
3: working class chaps. You know, pie in a pint—that's as adventure as it gets. Could understand it, yeah, because it was like this is okay. This is the information. This is the very, and and that's why the book is also brief.
0: Yeah. Well, and I I was going to say, I I, it wasn't a a huge book, but actually, I felt like you covered so much within mm. the context of what you did write. And yeah. and I felt like it was really informative and also very intimate and honest as well. Yeah. And I guess, you know, you've obviously alluded to the fact that you were the UK's number one Marilyn Monroe impersonator. I was. Before you transitioned. Yeah. Um and obviously you were very well known and respected for your, your artistry. Yeah. So was it difficult coming out and talking about your transition, given kind of how well known you were and what was the reaction from people that
3: knew you on the performing circuit? Um it was I was sort of. I, I'm very honest about this in the mm-hmm. book. I I suffered quite an extreme nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. um, and having never had a nervous breakdown before, I didn't know what was happening to me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I couldn't put on the wig and makeup anymore. Right, I literally couldn't physically do it. I it I just couldn't. And the end of my career, I always assumed. The reason why I was a Marilyn Monroe impersonator in the first place, I now know from thousands of pounds worth of therapy, <laughs> that what I was doing was putting the most feminine mask I could think of mm-hmm. on my face.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I wasn't actually a Marilyn Monroe fan, and I impersonated the woman very well for <laughs> a very long time. Um, but that's what I was doing.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, and it was I'm a woman, all right. Leave me alone.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> all right. I'm doing it. God. Yeah, yeah. And if I've got to be a woman, then I may as well make a buck or two doing it. You know. Yeah. Um. So I always assumed quite naively, I think, that the end of my career was something that I was going to be in control of. Mm -hmm. And I'd always had it in my mind, in the privacy of my own mind. I'd always gone, I'm going to do my career. I'm going to make my money. Mm -hmm. And when I'm retired and i can put the wig down then i'll i'll be a bloke and everyone can leave me alone and mm. that's going to be that mm-hmm. it really didn't happen like that it, you're not in control mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and and the end came for me right okay you know it came for me it yeah. decided mm-hmm. you know my capacity for endurance of not only my work schedule but also the the damn of emotional distress mm, that I mm, was keeping in place, mm-hmm. largely with burying myself and my work, and also addiction to alcohol, which, as you can tell, I'm still addressing. <laughs> um, <laughs> the 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 dam of emotional mm, backlash mm-hmm, came for me. Mm-hmm. So, and I was, uh, yeah. I so I didn't really have a choice, and and neither did anyone else. No, you no. know, and and I think when. COVID happened I it is a very selfish but genuine reaction was i get some privacy
4: mm-hmm.
3: no one's going anywhere mm-hmm. no one's seeing anything mm-hmm. and i didn't know if the world was going to end i didn't know if i was going to get it and die like the early covid was was mm. very it's apocalyptic tough, and scary like yeah. we were all like are we gonna die now yeah, what's gonna happen is yeah. this it mm. is it gonna be mad max next week <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was just extraordinary yeah and i sort of thought honestly if this is the end of the world then i'm gonna at least have a go yeah. You know? Yeah. And I sort of disappeared, really. Mm-hmm. And I sort of kept my eye on people because I'm a very nosy person by nature. I love social media. I like knowing what's happening. What's going on? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you text me the gossip. I want to know. <laughs> for God's sake, don't tell me a secret because I'm instantly telling someone else. I'm terrible. But I, I love people and I yeah. love I love knowing what people are up to. And I've got a lot of really amazing, creative friends. And, mm-hmm. I, and for the most part, a lot of the the creative sort of drag queen and entertainer friends that I had were all freaking out because all the gigs went, all the shows went, that was it. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh.
4: What do but- we do? Yeah,
3: yeah. and yeah. there was drag queens I know who have been doing drag for 25-odd years going, I don't know how to do anything else. Mm. What's going to happen? So with my mental health breaking and with COVID as well, it was just the time, mm. you know, and also from what I'd seen trans at that point was incredibly popular shall we say in the media um and uh it was a crazy year and i just thought i may as well Mm -hmm. i may as well so coming out of it uh there was a couple of people the first question is that i got asked a lot will you do Marilyn again Mm -hmm. and it's like absolutely not Mm -hmm. um people can google me the videos are there i entertained a lot of people i was good at it Mm -hmm. um and I know I was good at it because it consumed my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did it for a long time. Never again.
4: No. You know,
3: it's the answer is not behind you. The no. answer is in front of you. Yeah, yeah, of and course. I didn't know what I was going to do. And that—that that, the answer to that is still forming mm. as we speak.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but I knew that I wasn't going to go back to Maryland. So there was a couple of people that were like, oh, isn't it a shame? <laughs> um, but that's fine. Yeah. It is to them. And you know, and I, I there were a couple of fans who were a bit gutted. Yeah. because they really enjoyed what I did and that's okay.
4: Yeah.
3: Um and I think that there was a sense of loss with some people in my life and that's something that isn't touched on in, in sort of transition uh topics very much. Mm-hmm. Is that people do grieve you. Mm because you are making a very dramatic change mm-hmm. and people become connected to you because of what you mean to them mm-hmm. and what you represent to mm-hmm. them. And when you, excuse my language, fuck that mm-hmm. and go, I'm, act- I'm actually not that and yeah. I actually never wanted to be this yeah. and I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. It, it hurts them. Mm-hmm. It does. Mm-hmm. And even though that's difficult to watch as a trans person, it is based in what they perceive as some form of intimacy with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, of course. So... There were a couple of people who who didn't deal with it very well, and there were a couple of people who took a while getting their head around it. I had a friend I had for thirteen years say something oh, it was such a shame you were such a beautiful woman I was like right, okay well yeah uh, uh, thanks um i'm a beautiful man now, but uh all right and you d- i did have these extraordinary things said to me um it's, and that's such a i mean that
0: <laughs> i mean i've had something like that before um yeah. I, i've had um um, you're—it's a waste. Yeah, that you're gay, and I'm like, n- no, it's not. I—I d- I don't think that to actually. Who? But it's yeah, exactly. A waste but, of what? Uh, yeah, I know. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's just some people say that I think some people say things because they're not sure what, what to, to say, say, and they think they are giving you a compliment. And it's like, I'm being my authentic self. Like, yeah. be. Be kind, you know, listen.
3: And I think with this, that was another thing that's great about the book as well, because there were some people who were like, I just don't get it. And I don't mm. get what to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the point of I was very, very unwell and mm. I was very, very unhappy for mm-hmm. a very long time. Mm-hmm. And my uncomfortableness, mm-hmm. my unhappiness mm-hmm. was like second nature to me Mm -hmm. it was it was breathing Mm -hmm. i was so comfortable being uncomfortable that i thought that was normal normal behavior Yeah. and it was only when i started to be properly diagnosed and i started to get some proper psychological help to what was happening to Mm -hmm. me that i even realized that i was trans to be frankly honest Mm -hmm. because there are other other mental health concerns that do and i should also first say because there might be trans people listening to this getting very upset at this point That there are a certain, there's a certain vein of the trans community that believe that transgenderism is not a mental health concern. Right. And that that is something that is offensive. It is my belief, and it is also the belief of quite a few uh, trans people that it very much is. Right, okay. That gender dysphoria disorder is a mental health condition. It's not an illness, it's a condition. It is something that causes distress and there was something wrong with me. I was in distress. There's nothing wrong with my body. My body is perfectly functioning. My brain was in distress being within this, the body it was in. Right. So to transition is effective treatment for that disorder. Mm-hmm. That's the way it's seen medically. And mm-hmm. that's what has to happen in order for you to transition medically in this country, is that you need to have an independent, two di- independent diagnoses for gender dysphoria disorder. Mm-hmm. It's only when you have those independent diagnosis that you then be put forward to and referred to the correct care to relieve your symptoms of gender dysphoria disorder if that makes sense
0: and that is then obviously the journey for you transitioning that's your hormones that's
3: surgery which you again have to be referred for you have to you when you're so you get diagnosed you then become on what's known as active treatment which Mm -hmm. may be it was whatever hormones are appropriate it's when you show a mental improvement on that uh, medication, this is all the way it's spoken about when you mm-hmm. medically transition. This mm-hmm. is what doctors say to mm-hmm. you. If you are seen as being medically improved by being on that treatment, you then may be you may request to be referred for surgery. You then have to be assessed that, that surgery is going to do you mental good and not cause you psychological harm, and it's not going to be something that is going to be regretted further down In the future, line. Yeah. yeah. So. And, of course, those things are very important to be in place because if they weren't, it would be medical negligence. Mm-hmm. So that diagnosis is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, you meant, Sorry, just to go yeah. in
0: there, because you actually mentioned in the book, and it's something that I've written down here as well, it was around you know, needing to convince medical professionals yes. that you were, in fact, trans yes. and actually to be prescribed testosterone. Yeah. And you talk about that initial phone call where Ugh. it was so distressing and actually you're having to you know convince someone and they're they're not sure i mean you're obviously going through so much yourself at that time how did that feel to have to be in that situation and have that conversation
3: again it's something that's quite unique to my perhaps my age and my life experience i was a survival machine Mm -hmm. vulnerability wasn't something i tolerated of myself Mm. um that that wasn't applicable to my survival at that time yeah so to, to for somebody to a stranger to mm-hmm. go hi so talk to me about how vulnerable and unhappy you are mm-hmm. that just was like my wiring just yeah. did not cope with that very yeah. well of also there are other mental health uh concerns that manifest themselves uh manifest themselves in gender confusion and uh, identity issues such Mm -hmm. as borderline personality disorder. There are a couple of symptoms of borderline personality disorder where you do struggle to have a sense of self. Okay, Um, And there are, you know, moving forward things like very serious things like schizophrenia and and, and other very very serious things. Mm. It is part of mental instability to struggle with a sense of identity. Mm -hmm. And they had to rule those things out. Mm -hmm. They had to check that I wasn't somebody who was suffering from something else Mm -hmm. so that they could be a hundred percent sure on this is the correct thing for you Mm -hmm. because these hormones you know I'm going to be honest they ravage you Mm -hmm. you know you are going against again I might be annoying people here I'm sorry guys but you you're putting hormones in your body. You're effectively going against what mother nature has done. Mm-hmm. She doesn't take kindly to that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, and I guess it's... you said like you're going through a puberty again. Oh yeah. You?
3: yeah. Uh, going through puberty at 31. What well, that was uh, interesting. Yeah. Acne. I stank. I I was sleeping constantly. My body hurt. Like I felt none of my clothes fitted. I uh-huh. had to get rid of my clothes. And the only thing I could wear was like baggy, jeans and a hoodie so i was even dressing like a teenager as well like (laughs) i was like what is going on i sort of floppy hair and i smelt bad and people suddenly started talking to me like i was a teenager because i looked like one right okay you know i'm i was quite a baby-faced woman and i I, when i first started to change Mm -hmm. um i was going through all this very intense uh physical um intense and wonderful uh, But I looked 12. Mm. You know, I looked like a 15 year old, which was both wonderful and liberating. But at the same time, I was getting ID'd for, you know, <laughs> I was like, what? Um. So, yeah. So, I, you know, the learning to talk genuinely and openly about what was happening to me mentally and how I'd always felt. I mean, there was things that I experienced. As a child, which was a result of mm-hmm. having gender dysphoria disorder, mm-hmm. which I didn't even acknowledge was anything to do with it.
4: Mm-hmm. I just
3: thought, well, everyone feels like that. Yeah. Went, no, they don't, babes. Yeah. You know, I was but, I was being asked questions, and I'm going, well, yeah, just that, and they were like, mm, yeah, that's not. Uh. But again, but
0: again, you go back to what <laughs> you were talking about earlier about you know wearing the most feminine mask possible. Yeah. Again, I've I've watched so many documentaries or heard stories of people again that. Are, are gay for example and they're like, Okay, how can I be as masculine as possible? Exactly. And, and I think it is, it's almost it's it's the learn filter. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And the learn filters that we have to yeah. to ignore how we're we're feeling. And yeah. um so it's it, it's interesting that years later you then recognise those kind of moments and say because it was ah, just
3: normal to me like yeah, I was course. like well that's you know eh. and
4: yeah. there wasn't
3: I mean the fantastic thing about how the the high visibility there are uh, within the trans community I don't mean to bash it if it sounds like that I really don't um, I think that the fantastic thing about the high visibility mm-hmm. that there are there is now of of transgender people is that, that those things can be recognised early on. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't realised how much distress I was truly in. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, shortly before my breakdown, if somebody would have asked me if I'm all right, I'd been like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, because it's survival mode, it's Norm- coping, normal. isn't Normal. It? Mm. it was normal for me to be that intense, mm-hmm. like stressed. I mean, mm-hmm. even the clothes, I never wore comfortable clothes. I drank. I mean, I had two bottles of wine a day for over eight years. Wow, okay. That was just normal. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't even drunk. That was just like... That's a drink of water to me, yeah. You
0: can, yeah, your body gets used to it, yeah. I mean, mm.
3: I was constantly smiling, I was constantly saying I was very much a people pleaser. I had dreadful taste in men, I had some crap relationships because I was trying to put on a show mm. Mm. every day.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's like when you actually then break down those barriers and you yeah. start to really know who you are, which I is guess, awful, I guess. <laughs> that, that I guess then it's then looking back, you kind of go, Ah, oh, okay, right, yeah. now I know I'm on the right journey because yeah. actually. I can see how maybe some of those things were destructive or mm. weren't actually supporting me. Yeah. Um,
3: and it's a very real experience. Mm. Again, different because I was older. You know, if you're going to start transition when you're like 19 in your mm. early 20s, it's not. I, was, I had a lot of shit mm-hmm. to take with me. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of stuff to put down. <laughs> I had some terrible patterns I was in.
1: And, and I was. you had to look at that.
2: Go to quince.com/slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mm.
3: It's not good. It was ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to look in the mirror and just go, oh God. It was, <laughs> you know, what was I doing? And like, and and the hindsight stuff, it was, it was really intense. But I think everybody goes through a certain amount of transformation in life. And I and and that's something else that's been wonderful about the readers that have read it, mm. is that. Um, you know, you can go from you, everybody goes through several transformations over the course of a lifetime. Yeah, you go from being a child to an adult. You go from not being a parent to being a parent, and then you have to lose your parents and then deal with that massive mm. transition that your parents aren't around mm. anymore. And there's massive shifts that we all go through, mm-hmm. and I think that that largely feels the same mm-hmm. for 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 every person. Mm-hmm. Just so happens that my specific journey, or the one of the journeys that I've been on in my existence has been to change from female to male as best I can, mm-hmm. um, and that's. But the the emotions and the the struggle within that is a very relatable thing for yeah. for everyone.
0: Really, and I think everyone goes through different things at different times in their yeah. lives, don't they? And you know, you're yes, you may have had a difficult time before transitioning, but. Your story is where it is now because of that moment. It's, yeah. it's, it's like actually everything adds to it, doesn't it? It's, it's, yeah. None of it's wasted. It's, of it's, course. It's learning lessons. It's opportunities.
3: And one of the things as well that was kind of uh, complex was I, I, I did have a fabulous time. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like I was on stage. I was entertaining. I'm going to brag now. Um, but, I, you know, I entertained thousands of people. Yeah. I had dressing rooms with champagne in. Mm-hmm. I had thousands of pounds worth of jewellery and dresses. It was fabulous. I had a great mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I shagged anyone I wanted. It was wonderful. <laughs> I had gorgeous men in suits following me around all the time. It was great. <laughs> you know, and so part of it was, you know, it's not that black and white. No. And it's and having the experiences uh, as an entertainer mm-hmm. to then be, you know, I've, Going through male puberty unemployed Mm -hmm. and the only thing that was, I mean, my father's an engineer and his grandfather, uh, his father's an engineer. Uh, So I'm very handy. I always Mm -hmm. have been. I've always been brilliant at painting and decorating. And then I ended up in construction because Mm -hmm. it was the only thing that was happening while COVID was going on because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, tradesmen build our buildings for us. And that Mm -hmm. can't stop because Mm -hmm. if that stops, we're, we're all fucked. So it was the only thing that kept going. Mm. So construction was, and it never ends. Mm-hmm. It's ever. always
0: something new, isn't there? Ever. Yeah. It never ends ever. Yeah. It can't. Yeah. No. We need it. You yeah.
3: know? So so to get into construction and then being a completely, I'd gone from glittering dresses, being on stage, to being a labourer on a building site. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was freezing cold. I was up at four o'clock in the morning. I was putting bricks in skips. I was clearing out drains. I was moving... Uh, plasterboard up flights of stairs um, as far as my body's concerned my muscle and definition shifted very quickly because yeah, of that yeah. because I was doing all this exercise and my hormones went great, okay, yeah, right, yeah. let's put the yeah, yeah, muscle yeah. on the shoulders get rid of that, we don't need hips anymore yeah. like, so my body shifted very dramatically for that reason so then I was thrust into this completely mm-hmm. different world mm-hmm. And I, but then I was surrounded by men
4: mm-hmm. where I could look at them
3: <laughs> and listen to what they were talking about. And the men that I'd been around, obviously, yeah. with my past career were largely beautiful gay men, uh-huh. all very affluent, white, middle-class guys, yeah. you know, Maryland fans. You can imagine what they look like. You so know. I guess it's a
0: different context, isn't it, oh, being completely. in a building site? Yeah. So, so is it almost like a, I don't the wrong word, but like an education in some kind of way? 100%. Like just being able to, I yeah. guess you're... You're going through your transition, but actually you're learning a different way of life as well. A
3: hundred percent. Right. Yeah, because it's it's almost and I was I, I was writing every day at this point. Mm. And as I say, the book is very concise for a number of reasons, which I'll get to. Um we'll put a pin in that, because there mm. is there's a lot of reasons why it is brief. Okay. Um but as I was writing I was aware that uh, I was almost like I was studying men.
4: Mm -hmm. I think
3: I say that I felt like the trans David Attenborough studying men in (laughs) their natural habitat. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, Because I was seeing a side of men that not a lot of people see. Mm -hmm. A construction site is very much like the way I described it. It's almost like being in the military or in prison or in a compound, quite culty. There Mm -hmm. is there's a pack in order that exists on a construction mm-hmm. site that does not exist outside mm-hmm. there are no women anywhere
0: very alpha i'm guessing as oh well. yeah yeah
3: but everybody has a place and everybody has a job to do and okay. you have to do it well because mm-hmm. if you fuck up everything else fucks up mm. so there's a lot of individual responsibility and there's a lot of uh it is very Mm military-esque you know everybody has to comply everybody Mm -hmm. has to do their thing Mm -hmm. so i was then in an environment where i wasn't special and unique and glittery and beautiful anymore Mm -hmm. it didn't matter Mm -hmm. what mattered is that i got that three ton of That skip over there because there was this arriving and I had to do this. And they didn't give a shit. Mm. I just had to be a man like everyone else. And And if I didn't do my job as a man, there would be consequences. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't cry about it. And I know that sounds odd, but that was so freeing. Mm Because my identity, which was something that I'd struggled with for years, mm-hmm. just didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I was just a man, mm-hmm. the same as everybody else. Mm-hmm. I ate dinner when they ate dinner. I went, you know, I went to the same lavies as they went to. Mm-hmm. I was covered in crap every day, just like they were. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I felt normal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of trans people, what they really, really want, and I know I speak for a lot, is just to feel normal. Mm-hmm. Not to feel special or different or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know we all are and we're all very special and unique. And and, and mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. But just to feel like a normal human being.
0: Mm-hmm. And be treated fairly.
3: Just the same as everyone
0: else. equality. quality, yeah.
3: So even though working on a building site was horrific and, and my mom couldn't believe it. She was like, what are you doing? And I was like, to me, this is literally, this is like play. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: But I guess you're kind of, you're removing, it's almost like... You, you are removing everything that existed and starting afresh so completely why you know it must have been a very therapeutic experience just to kind of go right today this is what i'm doing and there's no none of the past i don't still have to do the maryland stuff i mm. can now just move forward and and obviously you talk um very openly in there around you know um you know top surgery and yeah. you know saving for that and obviously mm. you went to a private clinic in london yeah and how you know with every time you went to the building sites or you know you worked with people it was like you were saving that money for your future. So I guess it probably had a um another um you know it was yeah it meaning was, as well.
3: Yeah it was very um it gave me it gave me a lot of confidence it mm-hmm. gave me a lot of conviction in what I was doing that I had grafted for this mm-hmm. that I am literally there is something very human mm-hmm. about I was literally crawling around in the dirt mm-hmm. to to make myself mm and And having no sense of identity before really to the point where I just pretended to be someone else every day, it was so good. Mm. just like I have to graft for this mm. I have to push for this mm-hmm. and it made me strong and it made me strong in my boundaries and it made me strong in saying no and I took a lot of shit and mm-hmm. and of course, I'm on a building site just like every bloke does mm-hmm. you know I was I was called Girlface, the Tranny uh, or oh the yeah but I it would, everyone's called something offensive. Mm. Oh, so it's like normal on a building yeah. site? oh yeah. And there was, you know, there was, there was a guy whose name was See You Next Tuesday. Like, every... Right.
0: <laughs> I've never worked on a building site, so oh, I'm like, what?
4: <laughs> no
3: one's nice to anyone. But how did that
0: make you feel, though, in terms of those... Because obviously those, I guess those names are, you know, offensive. So how did you feel going through that?
3: Honestly, it was... It was kind of liberating in a way because you know what? One of my biggest fears with why I didn't transition was who's going to come for me? Who's going to come and get me? Mm -hmm. How vulnerable am I going to be? Mm -hmm. And it everybody's, it's all banter, it's all play, everyone's nasty to mm-hmm. each other, but it's meant with love.
4: Mm-hmm. Like, it,
3: they're very ignorant men, a lot mm-hmm. of them.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: They're not saying it because there's some sort of agenda to it. They're just saying it because it's the first thing they thought of that was offensive and it came out of them out. Right. If you're fat, they're going to call you fat. Okay. Every day. Okay. Like, oh, there's some leftover chocolate, give it to Charles. So, so for,
0: it, for you in that situation, was it, was it almost like, a Baptism of fire. Was it almost like a kind of... Um, Did you see it as like an acceptance? Because actually if someone else is being, I don't know, um, disparaged in a way, you know, as you said, like someone's overweight um, and that and then. But if they're obviously then saying those what we would deem offensive words to you, was it was it
3: kind of like, well, I'm being treated like everyone else? Exactly. And also it taught me to stick up for myself. okay, because and in that environment, especially with the way that tradesmen and builders operate Mm. is that you're only as good as your rebuttal. Right. So someone or so someone will gain respect for you mm-hmm. instantly by mm-hmm. how viciously you put up with is you put up uh you react mm-hmm. and how funny it is.
4: Mm-hmm. That,
3: yeah. and I know that sounds ridiculous but that's the way it works. I okay. mean they were like, like all right tranny I'm like yeah but my dick never goes soft does it? <laughs> like and, I, <laughs> like, and So you learn
0: to kind of give oh, back and yeah and, and it was
3: it was great cuz you know I was um, a lot of them fancied me also which right. was hilarious okay because i was sort of like a very effeminate boy right wearing a hard hat and still boots and i was the most feminine thing that had, so, most of these men had seen at work ever yeah and it was a bit sexually confusing for him which was also fun so i've sure, shot you know you fancy me really
0: <laughs> so you played all that as well oh, I'm kind yeah, of course. Of like, yeah. yeah of course but i think it's you know obviously <laughs> it's I guess you are throwing yourself into the lion's den in that situation, aren't you? Yes. In terms of so so, if it's supportive to you to, um, you know, stick up for yourself and to learn how to do that, mm. that's only going to hold you in good stead i guess for
3: which is like when, when we first when we first started talking yeah. you know it, it's it really has strengthened me mm-hmm. and it wasn't something i ever thought i would do mm-hmm. it's not a choice i thought i would make mm-hmm. it was it was a covid choice mm-hmm. yeah i needed some money yeah and and being in construction is great money
4: yeah
3: um it really is i mean you can make a thousand pounds in 10 days wow if you want to okay. you won't sleep
0: <laughs> You're up 4am The work is there Yeah the 4am thing When you said that I was like my goodness I just yeah
3: Oh yeah Like I was walking Very heavy plasterboards Up flights of stairs For eight solid hours Yeah So it'll kill you But you yeah, can do it You can do it And I did it You yeah. know It was it was a lot of money Um, So I was incredibly fit And slim Um, And it was sort of I don't know, It's probably slightly masochistic Really But I I sort of thought If I'm doing it I, I can take a thrashing. I can take
4: this, mm, mm-hmm.
3: and I'm I'm strong enough to do this. And if I'm gonna be regarded as a man moving forward, then surely the title of a man, as is the title of a woman, is something to be earned. Mm. And I was very comfortable to earn it. Okay. Um, and I, because of it, odd really, but because of my experience in construction, I learned how to converse with men as a man. Mm-hmm. I learned how to put up with. Certainly, heterosexual male bollocks, of which mm-hmm. there is quite a lot,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, and I find it very easy now to establish uh, respect with straight men mm-hmm. because of my experience in that environment. You, mm-hmm. you sort, you, you sort of learn to speak fluent cis,
4: mm-hmm. yeah.
3: And my reactions to things, and and the way that I respond to humour, and the fact that I do know what I am, I can see me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's okay
0: yeah and you feel comfortable
3: i am i'm yeah, comfortable absolutely. I can, you know i can see me mm-hmm. you can see me mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know and also there is the question which most people think when they look at a trans man is has he got a dick or not that it, it's just the question wow it just is mm-hmm. and that's okay mm-hmm. because of course it is and i think that that question is usually put to the back of someone's mind when they realise the complexity and the emotional uh, the emotional side of it more.
0: It's- well, and like you said about giving this book to people that you worked with, I mean, I think, you know, and, and being so honest and frank in your story, I guess it yeah. is, it, you know, it is, you know, I think when people don't don't know about something, it's easy just to kinda of go, Oh, that doesn't affect me. I don't need to know about it. Yeah. But as you say, like the complexity of transitioning for anyone. Yeah. Um, and living as a queer person. Yeah. If people if that isn't in their in their mind and actually they read a book like you've written or mm. or any literature out there, it does I think give people a new understanding of actually what people are going through, doesn't it? So
3: Yeah. And also, you know, like to to, to re illustrate again that curiosity is okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. that it's it's all right and i understand i'm a very frank person mm-hmm. and i i know that when i say things people's eyebrows go up i've mm-hmm. always been that person mm-hmm. and i'm fine to be that mm-hmm. i'm fine to talk about the trans elephant in the room because it's only if we get to the mystery Mm-hmm. Is is taken off mm-hmm. And th- there's a lot of sensitivity Which I completely understand And there's a lot of people who are very fragile about it There's also people who are very vulnerable because of it mm-hmm. I'm in a very, very fortunate situation mm-hmm. I've had an extraordinary experience I've been an, I was an entertainer for a long time I used to get on stage for a living There's a certain amount of fear that doesn't exist in me Because of what you did before Because of what I did before yeah. So I, I'd, I'd entertain thousands of people Walking onto a building site with 20 blokes on it Please, mm.
4: yeah. <laughs> all You've right, got this. scary. <laughs> You've got this. I can outrun you, fatso. Like, I, I'm sorry, but uh, that's the way it is. So uh-huh. I
3: wasn't intimidated on that level, and that was very unique to me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in a unique situation where I'm all right. Yeah. To be transparent, mm-hmm. I'm all right to answer the question. Mm-hmm. Something that I want to go on and do in the future mm-hmm. is I want to uh, do a talk for TED and and have the book as. Something that people may may read over that. I also would like to do a talk called "Ask a Trans Person" and to open it up. Ask mm-hmm. me. I'm gonna tell you
4: mm-hmm.
3: because the the mystery and the sensitivity about it, whilst is very caring and compassionate, mm-hmm. it is it's not helping the ignorance that's out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not helping. Yeah, and there are people. Again, this is why the book is very short and brief. Is because there are people who aren't going to read a whole book mm-hmm. on this. They don't care that much. They're the sort of people that might not even read a book anyway. And if they do buy a book, they read a third of it, get bored and put it down.
0: So it was about keeping people engaged. and
3: Totally. I wanted to write a book that somebody who never reads book could read. Yeah, And they could read it in an evening. It was concise. It mm-hmm. didn't ramble on too mm-hmm. much. It gets the point across. Mm-hmm. It answers all the the key questions that need to be answered. And the book closes and go, I get it now. And they can move on with life. Yeah. And I think that... Rather than write this massive, complex thing, which it is, mm-hmm. there's as much information in that book as you need to understand mm-hmm. a trans person when you see them in the street. Mm-hmm. That this person was unhappy. Yeah, They've done everything they need to do in order to be happy for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's all that matters.
0: Absolutely, And they're moving forward. And if people then want to read more in-depth books, yeah. th- there's stuff out there. That's
3: the whole point. Absolutely. They were in mental distress
4: mm-hmm.
3: because... Again, it's not a term that most trans people like, but I'm going to say it anyway. They were in the wrong body. They were in mental and emotional distress because of it. They have made the steps necessary to change their physical body as best they can Mm -hmm. to relieve that medical, mental distress Mm -hmm. in order to be as happy as it's possible for them to be. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. If that means surgery, if that means hormones, if that means wearing this and that, doesn't matter. It all comes down to that thing. Mm-hmm. Unhappy, change is necessary. Mm-hmm. The outcome is happier. Mm-hmm. That's it.
0: Oh, and authenticity. That's Be, it. Being... And, that, and
3: that's happiness for any person. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Being fundamentally who you are. Yeah. I think that's lovely. Um, I loved, and I'll finish on this on this note, You I, at the end of the book, you said, I would stop and look at myself in a shop window and find myself smiling. This feeling is what I had seen in other people and wished I had true self confidence that no one could take away from me um so and I can see today you haven't stopped smiling um would that, uh, would yeah. that be fair
3: yeah i yeah i I am quite literally living the dream mm-hmm. and uh at my most unhappy i I drank very heavily and i I was you know in in, in a lot of distress, and i didn't care if i didn't survive mm-hmm. what I was doing to myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually care, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and the level of unhappiness that I got to was so normal to me that I thought that not existing mm-hmm. was casual, frankly. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I wake up, I'm very vain now. Mm-hmm. I love the sight of myself.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I but do. that's lovely. That's I love beautiful. it. I love
3: it. I'm very happy with myself. I'm I'm single as anything, but I'm I'm having a lovely time. <laughs> um, I get me. Yeah, I've got me. Yeah. finally. and and I look in the mirror and I'm like, God, look, look at me. I'm doing. I'm that guy. Yeah, and I used to be so envious mm-hmm. of people's happiness, and mm-hmm. you can tell when you see a happy person. It's in their eyes yeah. and it's in their skin. Yeah. And I I just, I was so envious of that. Mm-hmm. And I will never get tired of the sight of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I would say is it doesn't matter if someone's trans or otherwise, whatever the struggle is, Mm -hmm. whatever it is if you're unhappy it's worth it Mm. it's very very hard to get happy Mm -hmm. it's very complicated and it's shit and you have to look at this ugly stuff and you have to wade through it i literally waded through mod i literally Mm -hmm. did it and it is so worth it Mm -hmm. and it and it just so happens that was my story and i hope that people who read it are energized by it Mm -hmm. and given and given some hope for the, whatever their situation is mm-hmm. trans or not mm-hmm. it doesn't matter just mm-hmm. keep going
0: I think what I would say as well is that obviously you've you know on this podcast today you've given a lots of accounts of your your position on this situation and yeah you know I think any any issue around uh queer life it can be complex you know and and mm. there are lots of different views in our in our community yeah but you've obviously given a very kind of clear account of how you feel about transitioning and what was Mm. relevant to you. So thank you for that. And I think, you know, there will be people that will listen to this and may not agree with with some of the things that you've said. Yeah, there will be. But I I think, you know, it's important that we all live our truths and tell our stories. And actually, this is your story and this is about you.
3: And I think there's just got to be an alternative because I think if there's only one belief... Yeah, it's not one size fits all, is it? It really isn't. And and if, if... the trans community sometimes can become uh dangerously close to cult mindset. Right. Which is, if you don't comply and say the right thing, we are going to attack you, we're going to ostracize you, and we're going to call you transphobic, and then you're not in this clan anymore. right? That is dangerous mindset. Mm-hmm. You have got to be able to critically think. Mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to question, you've got to be able to satire also. Maybe have a sense of humour about it. That's also okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're allowed to find stuff funny. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Trans people are very resilient. We've also got a sense of humour. Yes. We're allowed to have one. Uh, So I think that the reason why I'm very vocal, even though some of my opinions aren't popular and even though they make people angry and I've been called transphobic and all sorts of stuff, that's that's not possible. But okay, Mm -hmm. it's all right. And we've got to be able to embrace different points of view Mm -hmm. so we can relax about it. Mm -hmm. And it's only when we relax about it that this is going to start becoming normal and everyone's going to get just all right. Because there's a lot of conversations about toilets and pronouns Mm -hmm. and sport. It's very tense. Mm -hmm. It's very uncomfortable and everybody's a bit
4: Mm
3: -hmm. careful Mm -hmm. about what they're saying. And it's not really getting the job done or it it could be getting done faster. If we can just put put the tension down a minute and let's just discuss it openly and mm-hmm. be all right with the fact mm-hmm. that there's lots of different people's opinions well, on this. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing
0: from you is actually, you know, even if we don't agree with, all, if everyone doesn't agree with everyone's opinion, actually there's all stuff that everyone can learn. It's opportunities for open discussion, to yeah. learn, to strengthen knowledge and to kind of... Yeah see things from different points of view but i think that same could be said for anything anything exactly you know that the world is so diverse in so many different ways and we all have so many different opinions it's important to keep an open mind and keep talking about things it is
3: and the trans community is very small and it's very vulnerable and Mm -hmm. i can completely understand why it's so self-protective i really do understand that Mm -hmm. and i really do understand the fear of if we're perceived in this way, then we're vulnerable Mm -hmm. and, and the, and the very close protection there is on that. And, and that's true.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: But if, if trans people as a whole are going to be taken seriously Mm -hmm. and if, and if we're going to have the same rights and respect as everybody else, then we've got to be able to intelligently, calmly without freaking out and barking transphobia, at every question we don't like. Mm -hmm. We've got to be able to discuss it and embrace different opinions and we've got to come to an agreement as a planet. And we're not going to come to an agreement as a planet if we're very, very, you know, staunch Mm -hmm. and utilitarian about Mm -hmm. one point of view. Mm -hmm. It's not the way humans Mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm vocal about it and that's why I want to open that discussion. Absolutely.
0: No, that makes complete sense. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. As I said, I really enjoyed the book and I thought that it was an intimate um, and detailed account. And as you said, it was a short book, but it really did um, provide me with lots of information and I'd encourage anyone to, to have a read. So thank you so much.
3: It's been my pleasure. And I... I really hope that people do buy it. Even if you disagree with it, great. That's good. You know, buy it, read you wanna it. You want to keep the conversation going. I really do. If yeah. you read it and hate it, that's okay. Uh, leave the review. And leave you'll the respond. review. That's all right. It's yeah. okay. I mean, yeah. most of them have been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but I think
0: I think back to what you said. You know, I think it's important with anything in life to keep conversations going. Yeah. And we've we you know for things to change and move forward, you know, we've got to have openness and opinion. And you know, we we all have to do that in our walks of life. It's it, that's that's really really Part important. Of being a grown up. Yeah, absolutely. And some things are are difficult and complex and uncomfortable. Yeah. Um. They are. But that's how we learn. Sometimes, it
3: you know. is. And that's also being a grown up, Yeah, you know, yeah. like it's, uh, I still have, I've still got to go and have a, a cervical screening,
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know, mm-hmm. I've still got to do that. I mm-hmm. don't want cancer.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I've still got female healthcare. Mm-hmm. I've also got male healthcare.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It's something that I'm very, I, I know why I am, yeah, you
4: complex. know,
3: and it's, and, and that's, again, you know, another reason, again, while openness and transparency, it then becomes, so what?
4: Mm, mm -hmm.
3: you know and it's like when people come out as gay and they just go look i'm gay Mm. and people get uncomfortable for like five minutes and then they just don't care they Mm. just go make a cup of tea and have a biscuit
0: (laughs) 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 i hope that's everyone's experience
3: (laughs) Yeah, like even if you're really annoyed with most of what i've said i'm I'm really sorry uh but we'll all have a cup of tea it's all alright.
0: I think keep keep the conversation going. It's really important. <laughs> I'm going to do a quick fire round with you, which I do on every episode. All right, I'm uh, ready. So I'm ready. Um, let's go. Queer icon.
4: Ooh,
3: Annie Lennox, David Bowie. Obviously, I'm saying all the all the classic ones, aren't I? Really? Um, Annie Lennox is straight, isn't she? I, um, is she? I don't know. I, um, maybe. I don't know. But I, I just might... instantly thought Annie Lennox. She was the first woman I saw in a suit. Okay. So I just sort of went, wow, that's sexy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah, no, I can't. Short I can't... ginger hair, red lipstick, suit. Yes. I can, mm, I can get that. And David Bowie had that sort of the White Duke period where he's mm-hmm. very, very pale. I mm-hmm. love pale skin. I'm sort of into that whole vampire look. And he had like white hair and white skin and white clothes and he was very ethereal. Yeah. And yeah. he just looked like he was from somewhere else. Yeah.
0: I've had well, a few people have said David Bowie. Um, so. Yeah.
3: Everyone does, don't they? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah so a bit classic answers there really yeah awesome
0: queer anthem
3: oh goodness uh oh god i've got nothing original to offer (laughs) i've got i really haven't i just instantly uh, i don't know lady gaga um i don't know i honestly don't know
0: no what would get you dancing if you're in a club
3: Anything after a certain amount of wine.
0: <laughs> Eclectic taste, then. That's, no, very that, much. that's the Listen, way to look at it.
3: If it, if it slaps, I'm down. <laughs> a book you wish you'd written? The one I've just written. And you did. I did. Congratulations. I did it. I did it. Uh... Yeah, I I am working on another one at the moment, uh, which is a comedy self-help book called The Brutally Honest Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. Okay. Which is just, it's just going to basically insult what a mess we all are and all the things that we should be doing, which we're not doing. And I just thought it'd be a laugh. Um, So I'm working on that at the minute. Um, But yeah, yeah, I'm very proud of what I have written.
0: That's amazing. I love that. Um, Last day on earth, what are you having for dinner?
3: Steak and chips. Oh yeah. Peppercorn sauce. Yeah. Oh, oh I don't know. English mustard. Oh no. Yeah, I like I'm a I'm a bit of a psycho. I like it to burn the back of my nose.
4: Okay.
3: Um, a massive piece of medium rare steak. Uh ch- chips that have been fried twice, fancy chips. Oh nice. Um, monge too, tender stem broccoli, mini carrots. Mm. Um I'm a massive foodie, I'm a bit of a food perv. Um I've seen loads
0: of your food pictures on
3: Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very food is my love language yeah. if I fancy you I'm going to want to feed you <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get my apron out and get my knives and start showing off um, yeah steak and chips keep it simple but you know I want to meet the cow before I eat it. Fancy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had steak and chip. God, you know, I really fancied that this weekend, actually. It's magic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's just, magic. Some, and I think it's almost like, because it's now September. Obviously, this is not going to go out yeah. in September, but we're, we're now in September. I think it's um it's starting to get like a bit chilly, red wine weather. Uh. Steak, yes. chips,
3: coziness. Oh, the char on a meat, a little bit of blood mm. and red wine. I mean, come on.
4: <laughs> it's a
3: beautiful thing. You get those beautiful autumn flavours as well. Yeah. And you get like whiskey on the go and you get really deep, like deep stews. I yeah. mean, winter food is just sublime anyway. Yeah. I mean, summer venues are all right because it's just it's everything's fruit, you know. it? Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it's starting to get exciting mm, food wise. Doing dumplings. Oh, oh go
0: on, love it. Oh, love it. Bit
3: of suet, my lord. Oh um,
0: yeah, oh goodness. And, and I was going to say what's next, but I think we we now know You have this new book.
3: Yeah. So I've got a little book. I mean, I don't know. I'm working on it. I I sort of I do stuff to make my make myself laugh mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And because I've I'm still learning how to be a man, and I'm still mm-hmm. learning how to get my shit together. Mm-hmm. I sort of occasionally go, come on, Locksley, fuck's sake, get it together. Like, mm-hmm. and I and I sort of. We're all a bit crap as adults mm. because we we all we've all got stuff mm-hmm. we, we should be doing and we're not doing it, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a, comes a very relatable thing yeah. when you get to a certain age, yeah. and I think when you past thirty five, you just admit the fact that you're a bit crap at stuff, procrastinate a little bit, yeah, and you sort of just go, I oh know, oh, what am I like? And I sort of I started writing this book. Um, that was just making me laugh. And it was kind of like a, giving myself mm-hmm. a bit of a bollocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it just got funny. And I just thought I'd love to write a self-help book that isn't, you know, cause you see a lot of it online, like these sort of tap into your true self and mm-hmm. boundaries and this, but no one actually gives you any practical advice of how to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. They're sort of giving you slogans and, there's a woman in a car usually with like inspirational music in the background and she's got a weird effect on her voice and she's saying stuff like, Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and realise that you're a goddess and he's a twat and don't text him and stuff. And it's very sort of, what?
0: I think when you write something as well, because I'm I'm actually doing a bit of writing at the moment as well. And I, Great. I, and yeah, I love it. And, and I think that, I do think that um, you should write it for you like, yes um especially if it's a type of book where actually it's more of a, a journey book or self-help whatever i think it's almost like it's important to think okay well what, what would i want to hear what would what yeah. would i like to read so actually if it's making you laugh that's great isn't yeah
3: it? and i think as well like something that exists very much um which i had you know loads of i, I had a nervous breakdown it was i, I just had slogans said to mm-hmm. me for a year mm mm-hmm. You know, become your best version of yourself, and it's like, yeah, you know, I've been through a lot, and I've I've made a new version of myself, but mm. I still drink too much, and I've still got this, and I still I'm still annoyingly opinionated. I've got a tone of voice that makes my opinion sound like the gospel. I get it from my father. I can't <laughs> help it. You know, I, I I'm a terrible show off, and I'm arrogant. Like, it. There are things that are just a part of who you are, and I find that with self help, it it's written with the assumption that everybody is capable yeah of these massive shifts yeah and they're capable of that in an afternoon yeah they're like, you know what? Just do your laundry, babes. Call yourself a queen. Put on some Beyonce. Don't text him back and you'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> it's like, right, but what if your mum's a narcissist? Yeah. Like, what if what if your boss flirted with you and you kind of want to shag him as well? And what it, life's complicated. <laughs> Life
0: is complicated. It absolutely. really is. Absolutely. Like, why
3: can't I do my laundry? What's wrong with me? Yeah. What do you do when all three of your kids are crying and the washer breaks and your freezers decide to start defrosting? Yeah. No amount of slogan is going to fix that day yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah. I'm a goddess. It's not going to help. It really isn't. Beyonce, as fabulous as she is, cannot help this day. No. And I think think writing a self help book because I've been on the very precipice of brain exploding suicide. I think writing a self help book that is just like this is how shit it can get. Yeah. I just think it's really funny.
0: I will look forward to reading it. Fantastic. (laughs) Absolutely fantastic. (laughs) Thank you so so much for being on the podcast. I've um, loved it. Thank you. It's been Andrew. wonderful, and um, yeah, I can't wait to read the book, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. Well, what an interesting conversation! I'm so glad that Loxy came onto the podcast and shared their story today. It was a really interesting discussion, and I think the great thing about podcasts is that you can have discussions with people about different things, sometimes difficult subject matters that are complex in nature but it's an opportunity and a platform for different viewpoints and I think that's exactly what happened today. So I'm really pleased that Loxley came on the show and we had the discussion and I would encourage everyone to take a look at the book from one to another, which you can buy on Amazon. You can also follow Loxley on Instagram as well for all the updates on their work. But thank you very much for listening. Until next time don't forget to like share and subscribe to this podcast you can follow me on instagram facebook and twitter my handle is at fluey Actually. you can also check out my website fluieactually.com.